Welcome back to How They Train. Today I'm joined by one of my good mates, Jimmy Crook. Jimmy is a professional mixed martial artist who currently fights in the biggest MMA promotion in the world, the UFC. Jimmy was a star in Australian MMA, where he was a dominant light heavyweight champion before getting his chance in the UFC. Since then, he has some of the most impressive wins in the last three years in the UFC and was voted number one in the top 25 fighters under 25 years of age. Jimmy is one of the most hardworking and talented MMA athletes in the sport. And like I said, someone I'm really lucky and proud to call a good friend. Jimmy, thanks for joining me, mate. How's life? Mate, it is great to be on this podcast. Um, life is great at the moment. Currently, currently in, um, in Sydney, doing some training down here and you know, just enjoying a little bit of time off, but still getting a bit of work in at the same time. And how are you? Yeah, yeah, my life's good, mate. I'm, uh, I'm happy to be talking to you. We were, we were sort of having a little bit of a chat off air and you were telling me that you're up in Sydney um, training with Rob Whitaker, who uh, people might not know, but he was a UFC champion. He's a really big name in the sport. And, and it's pretty cool that you're up there training together. Yeah, mate. Um, you know, I, I just come down here. Obviously, I'm not the, the make or break for the camp, you know, but I, I just come down here and I wanted to sort of do my part to, to try and help out and, uh, you know, give my body to, to, to help out the boys. You know, Jacob Malkoon's fighting on the same card as Rob in Houston in uh, two or three weeks, is it? So, you know, I just wanted to come down here and, and, and get some work in with the boys before they go. Yeah, awesome. So obviously, like you and Rob, you, you're two Australian guys who, um, who you know, have a pretty easy access to each other for training, but you're also two of the best fighters in the world. So not just not just in MMA, just in general, like you guys are absolute beasts. How does that work? Like when you go and train together, is it is it pretty like relaxed and you're friendly or is it is it two of the best fighters in the world going up there and, and, and just like fighting each other? It's a sort of hard question to ask because every session is different. You know, you're not going to, some some sessions you go in and, you, and you're just doing a live jiu-jitsu session and you just flow, we call it flow rolling, where you're wrestling, but you're sort of just letting each other try things and, and trying to, to learn as much as you can and, and, and improve. And then obviously when you go into sparring, you know, Rob's a classic example of it. He, he'll be laughing and joking. And then when the round starts, he it's like a flick switch and then, and then it's business for the rounds. And then after, straight after he's back to being Rob, um, that being said, though, in the rounds, it's never malicious. We're never trying to hurt each other. We're, we're always well aware. Well, this is how MMA sparring should work. You're always well aware that you're, you're there to learn and you're not actually fighting. You're not getting paid for your sparring. So you're never trying to really hurt each other, but you're just trying to practice things you've learned during the week and, and, and pull them off and obviously condition yourself and, and do all that. So, um, yeah, it, it really depends what sort of session you're doing, but at the end of the day, it's ne- you're never trying to hurt each other and you're never trying to be malicious with each other in training. But we do go hard. Don't, don't, um, don't get that twisted. You know, we do go hard in, in, in some sessions. Yeah, okay. So can you sort of take me inside that? So like, let's say that you guys have decided that you're sparring on Friday. And, and what we mean by sparring is it's sort of when you, you, you go into the gym and um, there's, a, there's a cage or like um, some mats on the floor and it's sort of like a little bit of a, it's not a fight, but it's pretty close to a fight, isn't it? It's, it's best trying to replicate what goes on inside the octagon when you guys actually fight on, on fight night. Yeah. Can you sort of take us inside how that day works? Like, do you wake up nervous? Are you like sort of preparing like it's a fight? How do you actually um, go about the rounds when you are, when you are sparring? It's just everything that goes into, into that day. So um, there's a lot of people who have different, different ways of sparring, you know. I think I've sort of made the mistake of just rolling in the sparring because I, I don't get nervous. Like I don't get nervous. I don't care. I, don't get, I barely get nervous for me fights, but I just roll in, you know, do my rounds and go home where what I've noticed a lot of other people do is they treat the day like a fight. They wake up and they do their pre-fight rituals. They, they get into the gym early. They do their warm up. They've got their rounds set before they start. So they know who they're sparring. So they've got to mentally prepare to, to get working with that person. And they, they treat it a lot more seriously. And some, you know, down here, they, they even get a crowd in. They, they get um, all the boys that aren't sparring the train to, to sort of come in and you get that crowd aspect. And, you, you know, when you, when you walk out and there's people watching, you know, it adds another element to it. So everyone's a bit different with their sparring. I think, you know, you can't do that every week because you would just get too accustomed to that, I suppose. But it is good to throw that in, in, in the camp every now and then maybe three times for a camp but 
yeah, everyone's different with that. But I think I've made the mistake before of just being too casual with my sparring. Yeah, this is a really funny thing with you, and knowing you sort of as well as I do, it's something I've or, or like always found super super fascinating. Is that I see you as a really hard worker, and and I know that you know mutual friends in the game that we have also see you in that same way. Like you're known as someone who is is always at training, always shows up, never misses misses sessions. You know, trains really hard with really with really high intensity, and and like it seems like you're an ultimate professional, but then you also have this side about you which is like. You're just a natural fighter, like you're a born fighter. And sometimes it's this, it's this really weird paradox of Jimmy Crute where on one hand, you're the ultimate professional. And then on the other hand, sometimes you're just, you're just a Bendigo scrapper. Um, and so yeah. it's, it's, it's quite interesting. As soon as I get a beer into me, mate. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It, and like, it's interesting to hear you say that in that sometimes you do maybe take the actual sparring day, which is, I guess, the, the closest thing to a fight you have every week a little bit too casual. Whereas I know you don't take any of the other days really super casual. Like you're very professional in everything else you do. Oh, don't like, don't get me wrong. I always rock up the spa. Like I'm always, I always go hard. And I think that's sort of, you'd know more about this than me, Kelly, but sometimes I train too hard. Sometimes I push too hard and, and that's sort of done me, done me a mischief in a way. Like I've, I, I, I'm one of those people that need to learn how to, when when I say be disciplined, I don't mean need to do more sessions, need to train harder, need to do this. When I say I need to be more disciplined, I mean I need to take the time off to recover. I need to train a little bit smarter. Don't take as much damage. So yeah, I've got I've got no problem training hard and all that. Um, but for me, it's it's got to be the opposite. Can can you sort of take us inside what a typical training week looks like for you? So um, MMA is obviously a really complex sport. It has like so many parts that make up um the whole sport like there's obviously um you know there's a striking element to it where you're allowed to use all of the all of the different methods of striking so you're allowed to use your your elbows your knees your your feet your hands um there's a wrestling component there's a, a jiu-jitsu component which are all you know forms of um forms of grappling and and then there's all the transitions between those things so it's it's obviously like it's a bit different to other other types of fighting where it's very specific and you just go in and, and every day you work work on the one skill like say boxing you are just always working on your hands. Yeah. Can you sort of yeah? Can you walk us through a week and and how your week works to become the best MMA athlete you can possibly be? Yeah, man, it's so hard. That, people, you know, people follow boxing and and follow so they follow kickboxing or they follow jujitsu or they follow wrestling. It is so hard to tie everything together and not neglect certain parts of your game. So it's it's um you've sort of got to make your own game, stick to your own strengths, obviously work on your weaknesses. But that's why like you see some guys that are um everyone's well rounded in today. You can't not be well rounded. And what I mean by well rounded is good at striking, good at wrestling, good at jiu-jitsu, good at everything. But you see a lot of guys focus on one thing. You see, like Israel can do everything. Israel, the Sanya I'm talking about, can do everything. He's a striker. Kamara Usman started off as a really good wrestler, fell in love with striking. Now he's knocking everyone out. So you've really got to develop your own game and stick to what you're good at while you're training for a fight. Outside of fight preparation, you should be working on everything. You should be because you don't have to train as hard and as intense, you've got a lot more time to sort of try things and, and work on things. So that's the way I sort of look at it. it. It's so hard to work on every single thing during preparation for a fight, say 10 weeks out. But outside of that, when you don't have a fight coming up, that's your time to, to work on everything. So what do you see as your really big strength, Jimmy? What what makes you the, the caliber of, of MMA athlete that you are? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> um, I would say... I say this and I don't want to sound like I'm bragging or anything, but I feel like my grappling is levels ahead pretty much everyone else in my division, probably except for Glover. I reckon I reckon Glover's probably got the best grappling in division. Um, Glover to share that is. When you say division, what, what do you mean exactly? Uh, weight class. So division, uh, weight class division. I fight at 205 pound, 93 kilos. That's a uh, lot heavyweight. But there's other divisions like, yeah. I think there's like 14 different divisions, weight classes. So when it comes to weight classes, does that just mean that you weigh 93 kilos day to day? No. 
I definitely don't weigh 93 kilos now, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> so, so how does that all work? So we weigh in. So the day before the fight, it could be, I think it's 35 to 24 hours before the fight, they have a weigh-in where you go and you weigh in and you have to be 93 kilos when you weigh in. Now, that doesn't mean that you can't weigh 93 kilos and then enter the fight at 100 kilos. Um, that's what a lot of guys do. They diet down and then they jump in the sauna, get the weight off, weigh in, and then follow, and then rehydrate and refeed. And then by the time the fight comes around, they're, they're 10 kilos heavier than what they weighed in at. Yeah, okay. And, th- and that's a bit of a problem. Like, And I do it. Like, I, I, I cut 10 kilos, no problem, but it's what we have to do. Otherwise, you're going to be 10 kilos lighter than the guy you're fighting because everyone's just trying to get that advantage. So, so you weigh 103 kilos. How, how, like, how far um, out from, from that weigh-in would you be weighing 103 kilos to, to cut down to 93? Week and a half, two weeks before. Yeah, right. So in, in a week and a half to two weeks, that you're, you're losing 10 kilos. Yep, and then by the fight, I'll jump back up to 102, no problem. Yeah, wow. After 24. It's, um, I'm not saying this is healthy. It's definitely not healthy, but it's what you have to do. If you have a good rehydration program, you feel pretty good by the time the fight comes around. Can you sort of take us all like a little bit more inside how that happens? How does that process of losing 10 kilos like specifically happen? So everyone does different things. Um, I, I personally, I do a water load, so I, I um, start drinking I'm not going to, I don't want to give it too much away because a lot of people will hear this stuff and they go out and try it, do it wrong, and it can be really dangerous if they don't do it right. So, yeah, just chuck a warning in. Don't do this at home. <laughs> don't do it because if you don't do it right, it can, it can make you very sick. But yeah, I'll do a water load, um, up my water intake, and then just drop my, do a calorie deficit, and then I'll try and get the weight down that way. And then, say, the night before the weigh in, I might have four or five kilos to lose, so I'll jump in the sauna, sweat it out, um, wait, and then if I have to do a kilo or so in the morning of the weigh-in, do that, jump on, and then as soon as I weigh in, I start rehydrating. As soon as I jump off the scales, I start getting my um, electrolytes. And um, I've got a really good uh, nutritionist, Michelle Reeves, and she calculates all my, I don't know how she makes the um, the drinks, but she puts whatever she puts in the drinks and, you know, that rehydrates me and I get back up to 102 kilos. It's such a crazy part about the sport of MMA, isn't it? It's like... I, I wish it wasn't part of it. Yeah. So you really struggle with it? I don't struggle with it, but it's just, it's not fighting to me. Like, I always say, I would fight for free. I don't make weight for free. <laughs> you're right. So you, you're more getting uh, you're more getting paid to, to, to cut the weight than you are to actually go in there and fight, you think? Yeah, that, that's the way I look at it. That's, that's, that's the hard work. <laughs> That says a lot about uh, who you are as a person, I reckon, which uh, <laughs> yeah. most people would be absolutely terrified to walk into a cage and fight another man and, and <laughs> you would do it for free. Mate, I always say if you want to be an MMA fighter, you have to have a few screws loose. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so with this, um, like I think what, what's pretty funny with the, the weight cutting is most people who watch the sport probably don't really understand what's happening and, and have never really seen it. Mm. Um and so they just see these two guys walk into a cage and, and don't quite understand, you know, what those guys have been through in the last week or two to, to get there. And they just like see that they weigh 93 kilos or 205 pounds and they go, oh, that guy weighs 205 pounds. But they don't realize you're in the cage at 225 or whatever it is. It's the, um, it's the part that no one says. It's, you know, people say, oh, you know, fighters work hard and whatever, just based on what they see on the night. But it's, man, it's a hard sport. It's a very hard sport. Um, and the preparations for it is, is crazy. What 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 we put our bodies through to to get in there and fight. Yeah, I, I, this sort of segues well into something I was really like, pretty keen to talk about. Um, I was chatting to to one of our good mates this morning, Jack Jenkins. He's sort of the guy who introduced us, and mm. um, he's a he's a professional MMA fighter as well. And um, you and him are sort of two of the best guys we have in the country at the moment. Uh, and I, I was pretty keen to, to dive back into our trip to Mount Borbor, our training camp that we Bor-Bor. went on. <laughs> <laughs> so, yuck. Borbor made me its bitch. Uh, so, like, um, <laughs> we're talking about Mount Borbor, which is a really high mountain, a really high mountain um, in Australia. And me, Jimmy, Jack, and another one of our mates, Cy, 
um, went away on a, on a training camp there. Uh, <laughs> and, and for a few days, we stayed in this little hut um, that one of our mates owned. And it was literally like a little hut, wasn't it? It was, we all stayed in the... It was the best. <laughs> we all stayed in the same room. Do you remember that? There was just four of us in like this <laughs> tiny little room. <laughs> oh, it was so much fun. And, um, and, and we just trained really hard. And, and I think um, for me, like I, I've always sort of prided myself on being a, a hard worker and, and I didn't quite, like I never, I never really would have like guessed that, that MMA athletes worked as hard as, as what like someone like me being a triathlete or a runner do, but you guys like, I was so impressed with you guys and, um, and like from, from day one, we, we rocked up, we put our bags in the, in the car and we said, all right, let's go and train. And we basically trained for like six to eight hours a day every day. We we went we went ballistic. Yeah, it was a, that was a tough week, but fuck, it was good. It was so much fun. <laughs> All I can think about it, I was like, I was trying to get up that mountain on the push bike, and I'm I'm a big boy, and I I don't ride push bikes. And I got like I was I got like a quarter of the way up there, and I'm like, fuck this, I can't, I cannot get up there anymore. So I just turned the bike around, put the bike down the um at the start of the mountain, and just and just started running because I'm like, I can't even get my heart rate up on the bike it's i just cannot do it so i just i started running just to try and get my heart rate up at least and then pretty much by the time i put my bike down here comes kelly jack freaking just flying down the mountain i'm like oh my god you are a freak mate <laughs> let's talk about this because this has been a bit of a contentious story in our friendship group where the how far did jimmy actually get up mount Borbor on the last day of training camp because I know that like there's a bit, a bit of a, a hot debate between you and Jack. Jack thinks you didn't get that far up. You think you got about halfway up. Who, what, where's the truth line that? I got like, you know where that big sign is where it's like a turn off? To the ski resort? I think yep. so. I, didn't, I never claimed to get halfway up. I just told you I got to that sign. Yeah, that's probably about, you know, that's probably a good 6K up that climb, isn't it? Maybe. I don't know. It was yuck. That's all I know. yeah so we're probably being a bit vague but what happened was we're on our last day of training camp and we'd been training hard so jimmy jack and si we sort of basically did a triathlon camp didn't we where we were with a little bit of mma thrown in so we're like every day we were cycling we were running we were we were hitting pads and and you know doing some some jits and wrestling and and then just eating and chilling out in between it and then going again and it had been a really hard week like we were all really tired and and on the last day we decided to to ride our bikes from the bottom to top of Mount Borbor which is I would say it's it's either the the hardest or the second hardest climb to to ride your bike up in Australia and and we were all just wrecked and and particularly Jimmy who had never really ridden bikes before he's a very fit guy who trains every single day but we've been riding our bikes all week and and Jimmy was sort of just at that point where he's, you know, he's, his ass was hurting. My ass was just chafed. <laughs> and oh so he couldn't God. sit down on the bike. So he had to stand up the whole time. And, it was and, and Si was struggling too. I, um, listen, we did. listen, Jack, whether, whether or not I was wrecked from training, I was not getting up that mountain, I promise you. <laughs> I, could have been, I could have been in the shape of my life and, and, fresh as and i would not be getting up that mountain i promise you <laughs> the funniest part was was um we did it as a handicap so like um jimmy went first so si went second jack went third i went last and we sort of we sort of left it at like oh well i think we're gonna you know i'll finish eight minutes ahead of him or, or that type of thing and we sort of we handicapped it and i just remember i <laughs> Because I went last and I rode past you and you was you were standing out of the saddle and you're just like, you know, a few choice words at me. And then, <laughs> and then I rode past Sai about three minutes later. And when I rode past him, because he was riding, um, clip, like he was using clips on the bike and he, it was his first time that week using them. You would have rode past Sai before you rode past me. Yeah, I think I probably rode past him. He was up further than me. Yeah. Even and, though he started before me. That's right. <laughs> and... Um, <laughs> and as I rode past him, he uh, he looked at me. He turned at me, and he was he was happy. Size si always happy, and he's always smiling. And he, and he turned at me to sort of like say something funny. And as he turned at me, he um, tried to like he he just wasn't used to riding bikes where you have clipping pedals, and he just fell off. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> 
And we were just <laughs> and he just hit the ground so hard and he was laying on the ground and the bike was on top of him and he's just like, Oh fuck this. Uh, you know what I don't like about this whole story? You purposely jumped on the bike that was the hardest to ride with the biggest tires too. Yeah, yeah. We only had four bikes and one of them was a massive mountain bike that weighed about 15 kilos. So I took that and all the other boys had really good road bikes that weigh about six, seven kilos. So, oh, no. Yeah, I, that was... You're just showing off now, mate. <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah, it was, uh, it was just one of those funny times where like we're at the end of a really long training camp and... And you were sort of on the, on the side of the road, sort of just like, I'm ready to go home. And Cy was literally laying on the ground after he'd fallen on the bike because, like, he's ready to go home. And, and me and Jack were just sort of laughing about it because we'd ridden bikes before and, and we'd been there and done that. And, and everyone listening to this who's been on a training camp knows what that feeling's like when you're, when you're at the end of it and you're just like, oh, it's time to go home. And, yeah, that was, that, was, that was genuinely one of the best trips of my life, I'd say, one of the best weeks of my life. And... Um, and, it was unreal, man. I had so much fun. Yeah, and that was probably where me and you became like really good mates, and yeah, and, and to the to the level of mates we are today. Yeah, hundred percent, bro. It was, it was um, it was a good trip. Yeah. So, um, I mean, from that, uh, can you sort of take us inside? Like, do you do training camps? Does, is your is your training the same every single week all year round, or is it sort of more periodized? Like, how does how does your training work? Is it harder leading into a fight? Is it, is it, yeah, just, just take us into how it all works. It's, um, you know, you hear the term training camp, which just means preparation. Like you get a fight, training camp should last 10, eight to 10 weeks where you, you just, you, you live and breathe. And it's, you, you're doing three, two to three sessions a day, every day, eight to, eight to 10 weeks, you're just going flat out. I made, I made, I always, I have always done too long camps. I've always done like fourteen to sixteen weeks training camp, and my and my last two especially because of the cause my last two fights they they both got postponed a few times. So, um, I ended up my my fight in um Jacksonville ended up being a six month camp, and then my fight in um Vegas ended up being a seven month camp. That's how you get burnout. So, if you go too and you'd know this just as well as me, Jack that like if you train too hard for too long you're going to burn out and then it takes forever to get back to 100% um so i think outside of camp outside of that 8 to 10 week you should be training for fun train five or six times a week um nothing too heavy you know have a hard session here and there and then when camp starts that's when you up it you ease i think you should always ease into camp bring it up to 2 to 3 Two, two sessions a day and then when, when you when you get your your lungs on you that's when you should start hitting three two to three sessions a day um with, with some rest days thrown in of course yeah so something that always like sort of fascinates me about fighters is it's um it's all leading up to this like really crazy moment like so you do all this work like you just talk about doing a seven month seven month camp to, to lead into a fight um that's not natural. That's that should not be done. No, I won't do that again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is a long time. How how does it? How does like that fight day? I might even take it back a step before that. That fight week. How does it? What are you like going through mentally, knowing that you're about to walk into a cage in front of? So you at the moment, like you fight in front of crowds of twenty to fifty thousand, like massive crowds, and it's like the the room's dark, but it's just this lit up cage. So like. The only thing you can see in the entire stadium is this cage where it's just you and another man in in shorts and no t and no no top on. Like, what's your mentality like? Like, you've worked so hard for it. Is it is it not? Do you not see it as a fight? Is it more like a you've trained so hard for it? You're really technical. It's it's like a sport, and you're in there thinking about what you're going to do, and and leading up to it, all you're thinking about is the things that you've got to do well. Or is it is it? Do you just like see it as okay? I'm going in there to, to fight another man and. And you do get those sort of like primal fears and and you know emotions leading in. Man, I can't tell you because every it's never the same. You know, I think as fighters we make the mistake a lot time a lot of times of thinking I did this last time and I won, so I've got to do this again. But man, I, I think you just got to take it as it comes. You know, I've gone in there, I've gone in there feeling anxious and nervous and and had a great performance. I've gone in there. Um, feeling confident and, and unbeatable, had a great performance. Gone in there, anxious and nervous, had shit performance, 
gone in there feeling confident and un, un, unstoppable and had a shit performance. So I think I think you've you've got to just play with what you with what you got. You never know how you're going to wake up on flight day. So being able to ride those waves and make the adjustments based on how you feel and 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 all that. That's why I, that's why I always feel like sometimes you wake up and you feel like shit. Unless you're overtrained, you should go to training because you never know how you're going to wake up and feel on fight day. So you've got to train your mind to not make excuses for itself. That being said, if you're overtrained and 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 run down and, and you have done the work, give yourself a day off. But I always feel like that's a very important part. Just getting used to to performing when you feel like shit sometimes, because you never know how you're going to rock up on fight day. Yeah, that's so interesting. And, and can you sort of like take us inside the week? So obviously you do all your fighting pretty much in America now in, in front of massive crowds over there. So as an Australian, how does that work? Like how far out are you flying out? Um, what does your preparation look like when you're over there? Can you sort of take us also inside? Like the UFC is massive. Mm. Can you take us inside what you do during a fight week in there? Like what does that actually look like for you as the athlete? So um, fight week for me is a taper week. I've done my hard work and I need to get my body to a hundred percent. I want to, I want to super compensate. So I'm feeling a million bucks on the, on the fight day. And it would probably be the same for a triathlon. You're not going to train hard all the way up until you want to, you want to get that super compensation. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And get that tape a week. But, um, and, and, and then also on top of that, I'm cutting the weight. So my calories are low. I'm not going to have the energy that I normally have. Um, I'm water loading, so that doesn't make you feel great either. And then you get a boatload of media, so you got to do interviews, you got to do bloody media days, you got to go to like I haven't done a press conference yet, but um, you know if there's a press conference, you got to you got to do all your media, which is not the funnest part of the job, but it's a very important part of the job. You know, um, you don't. You don't get paid just because you're fighting. You, you you get paid because you're drawing an attraction and, and making UFC money. So that that part of the job is very, very important, um, in my opinion. So you got to make sure you do all that. You got to make sure you do all that well. You speak well and whatever fight week and um, get all that stuff out of the way. But that's normally for about three days of fight week to get your media load up, and then and then it's just about making the weight and keeping sharp. You know, my training. I go from training three or four hours a day to to one half an hour session and and maybe a bit of stretching. Um, per day just to try and keep the body moving and um, get the weight off and keep burning calories a lot of walking actually a lot of walking during fight week just to um, try and get those calories off without any impact and and how much are you thinking about the fight how like how many is it is it just always on your mind are you always thinking about the other person because obviously in these big fights you know who you're fighting Mm. are you are you just always thinking about it or are you trying not to think about it i think you got to distract yourself and if you do think about it, you've got to meditate on it. You can't let it just play in the back of your mind because you don't want it affecting your sleep. You don't want it affecting your ability to relax. So if you're going to think about it, give it a real hard think about it. Go deep on it, like really think about it. And don't let it... It's good if it's in the back of your mind in a way, but it, you can't let it keep you up at night, you know? So that's, that's why I sort of try and do it. If I'm going to think about it, I'm going to think about it really hard. Yeah, uh, and just play play it through my brain, you know. But I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be sitting there all day going, oh, you know, he he might be doing this, so I can't do that. Yeah, you know, I feel like when you've had the experience, you, you sort of know how you should treat your fight week. And can you take us inside one of those those times where you have sort of been overthinking it and just thought, right, I've got to sit down and, and meditate on this and 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 dive deep on it? Like, when was the last time that happened for you? I think when I fought Noble Derby against uh, against Modestus Bukowskis, I um I couldn't just I couldn't seem to catch my thoughts, and they, it was actually a really cool setup. They had this big cage set up on the um on the beach in Yas Island, and I, I just like I just couldn't catch my thoughts. Like so, I just went and I just sat in this cage, and I just got the whole routine out of my head and um did all that. And that's the one thing, like when you're overtrained, you can't do that. When you're overtrained, you cannot catch your thoughts. And that the last two fights, I wasn't able to, even when I tried the meditate, I just could not catch my thoughts because my brain was so flat and fatigued that I just couldn't couldn't think about what I wanted to think about. So that 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 was another thing for me that I that was a massive learning experience for me to um you know 
if your if your body if your body's fatigued, your brain's going to be fatigued too. So you got to that's another thing that I have to look out for going forward. Yeah. Okay. So when you when you're sitting there in that cage on the beach in in Abu Dhabi, what stuff are you trying to think about? Are you just picturing what that person can do, or are you, or are you trying to think about what you have to do, or are you picturing scenarios that could go wrong, or what what is it? You always got to um think about what you're going to do because you could think about every thing that your opponent's going to do, and they can come out and do something completely different that you, you didn't expect. Obviously, you know what they're good at and what they do. If you're fighting a good striker with, with, a, with a good left hook, you know he's going to throw a left hook or whatever. But that's not guaranteed that they're going to play by by your rules. You know They could come out and do something completely different. So what I like to do is, because you can say all you want that like the walk, walking out in front of all the people doesn't affect you. It will. So I like to envision myself walking out and the, and, the, and the sound of the crowd, it's very loud. I like to sort of get that out. I like to put my walkout music on and, and sort of just think about that just so I'm not uptight and nervous when I get into the cage because I've, I've, in a way I've done it before. I've done it in that week. I've done it in my head. And then I always do something before I walk. Before I step through the cage door, I'll, I'll always do something in training before I start. I always like, touch a certain part of my body or I'll do something just to like ground myself to to bring myself back to that moment and then as for thinking about the fight I, I just think about the techniques that I've drilled the the route to victory that I that I think I have the best chance of, of, of pulling off not my opponent but me I try to think about what I'm doing yeah that's the ideal thing if you can if you can catch your thoughts and and, and really go deep on them it's a it's a it's a massive benefit to have, to have already I've done it in fight week. It's, it's not nothing new when you get into there. And then when you're in there and, and like it's just such a crazy environment, an MMA fight. Like I sort of already said it before. It's like it's this massive stadium just full of people and, and it's all dark except for this cage, which is like so brightly lit. Like it's it's crazy. And what does it feel like when you're in there and, and you're performing? Like are you straight away, like when, when they announce your names and, and the fight starts, are you do you forget everything is it like is it just like you you know is this is it just like when you're sparring in a gym and, and you're not nervous is it just like a moment where you just switch on or or what actually happens what's going through your head there this is this is another question i can't really answer because it's different every time you know i've had fights where i could hear my coaches i could hear them clear as day i could make decisions in on the fly i could to change my mind on the fly and then i've had fights where i've just put my head down and started swinging <laughs> and i've had wins and losses in both yeah you know so th- there's not there's not a set thing as i said you've got to le- deal with how you're feeling on the day i think in an ideal world you go in there with a clear mind and and, and a good decision making capacity that's an ideal world that's what you aim for but if you can't catch your thoughts in there if you can't hear your coaches if you can't you've just got to you've just got to fight you've got to simplify it it's not you, because it is a big thing. Like there's a lot of things going on and blah, blah, blah. But if you over if you overanalyze everything that's going on, you lose track of what you're actually there to do. And that's fight. So I always tell myself, I always tell myself, it's a fight. I'm going there to fight. I'm not going there to, to do the rest of it. I will do the rest of it, but I am going there to fight first and foremost. And then when you do get a big win, like you have had, for, for people who, who haven't like seen Jimmy fight or maybe aren't MMA fans, I can't recommend enough. You just jump on a YouTube or, or, um, or, or that sort of thing and, and, and search Jimmy Crute's name. You have had some of the most impressive wins in, in the UFC in the last three years since you've been there. Like you, um, you have had some crazy knockouts. How does it feel when you're in that, in that cage under those lights with like a massive audience and, and you do land that shot that, that, um, that knocks a person out? What, what's got, like, take, take us, us normal, normal people inside that moment. It's weird because when it happens right, it doesn't feel like it's happened at all. Um, and that's just like, like knockout submission, whatever it is. I've, I've never gone to a decision in, in, in the UFC. Um, so it's, I'm sure that's the same. But it, like if you hit someone with a clean punch and they go out, it really doesn't feel like you've hit them. If you lock up a submission, it really doesn't even feel like you work that hard for it. Like it's so weird. And then as soon as, as, soon as they tap or as soon as the ref putt, like um, drags you off the guy, it's like a the weight of the world lifts off your shoulders and you feel like you're levitating. It's just like eight like eight weeks of just all you're doing is thinking about that this moment to like 
oh, you can take a deep breath now. It's done. I, I did what I was supposed to do. Oh, it is the most surreal feeling in the world. And yeah, I, I you can't explain it. Like there's a reason why we do it. And that's the feeling you get when you um when you when you pull off something that you've been thinking about for months on end. And then on the flip side of that, what does it feel like when you have a, a big loss in front of an audience like that? Is it yeah, like that's the thing I really struggle to 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 imagine what it's like and and I know with you like you you you've had a couple of losses now in your career not not many but but a couple um and, and every time afterwards I always go like what can I say to Jimmy here to like I, I just don't even it, yeah it's, it's so hard to relate to what you're going through because you I think one of the things I admire most about you and, and all MMA athletes is it's so crazy to put yourself on the line like that like a lot of people are scared and and fear just putting themselves out there on, you know, on in day-to-day life. But you're going out there into a cage in front of, you know, with the UFC, it's a, it's millions of people watching on TV and it's it's tens of thousands watching live. And, and you go out there and put it all on the line knowing that you can lose. There is no such thing as a sure thing in, in MMA. There is no such thing as a sure thing. Anything can happen. And that's the thing. Like, as you said, a lot of people don't even like putting their, themselves out there on things that are pretty certain that they're going to accomplish. Say what you want. When you go in there, it's a 50-50 a lot of the times. You know, it's it, it's tough. It's tough. And I like to pride myself. You know, I take a loss on the, on the chin pretty well. I, I, I always have a pretty good attitude after it. That doesn't mean that I, I don't feel like garbage or upset or whatever, but I just always try and find, find the good in it. You know, like I, I try and find a lesson somewhere in there. Yeah, like I'll go back to the last one because it's the freshest. You know, I got lost. I got knocked out of my last fight, a fight that I was the favorite for. I should have won. I just, I, I should have won that fight. I didn't come in at a hundred percent, and on top of that, I, I just fought like an idiot. I, I, I left my chin up and I kept my hands down and 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 whatever. But like, I don't know. As soon as it ha- I, that, that that was the first one where I was sort of like, I, I held myself together, and then I got backstage, and I was just like, you know what, fuck this, like. I did everything I was supposed to do, and I still, I still got knocked out. I trained harder than anyone I know, and I still got knocked out. And, um, you know, I just sort of sat on that for a little bit and just tried to process my thoughts. And then uh, the the benefit I got out of the whole thing was it brought to the forefront of things I need to tra- change in my training. I can't just keep, I couldn't just keep doing the same thing that I wasn't doing because it, it wasn't working anymore. So this is where I've, I haven't reinvented the wheel. But I've brought new aspects into my training. I'm going to change a lot of things in my training because of that fight. And if it didn't happen now, it was going to happen down the track. And I'd rather it happen now while I'm young and I've got time than happen, you know, two or three years down the track when when I should be should be in my prime. Right. Like get them out, get them out of the way now. And then when I hit my prime, I've got all that experience for backing me. I think I'll be way better off because of it. That's the way I look at it. And, and after that loss, like when you walk out the back, what actually, what, what is, like what happens there? Are you just, is it like a change room like it would be for like footy or, or cricket or tennis or, and, and are you with other people and, and like t- try and take us people who, who are never there into the, into the back of a, like a, an event like that after you, you've just lost? Yeah, so um, you, you go get your medicals done. They, they check you out. I had to go to the hospital straight away after my last one. So they, um, I, I just went straight to the hospital in the back of an ambo, but um, yeah, it's grim, man. It's just grim. Like, it, it, there's a lot of silence. You know, your coaches will try and say the right thing. They'll just they'll probably just come over and pat you on the shoulder and you know say say something just to try and comfort you. But they know as well as you know that nothing that they they say is going to make you feel better. So it's normally pretty quiet, and then normally it's just quiet, and then all of a sudden you'll go, what the fuck? Or you'll just say something out of blue, just like, you'll just, yeah. No one knows what to say and you're all just sitting there in silence and it's grim as. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's just how it pretty much is. But then as I always tell myself, I'm like, fuck, I, I lost the fight. Like I didn't lose a loved one. I didn't like, I'm still pretty blessed. I'm doing what I love to do. It didn't go my way, but you know, a lot of time, like, most of the times it has gone my way so i always think about like someone else felt like this when i won so that's it's another way to look at it i suppose 
Yeah, and and, um, and you said that you've you've identified some things you're going to tra- change in training based off that last fight. Um, is that something you can share with us as to the changes you're going to make? Oh, definitely. Well, I, I think it's it's no quit. Like throughout my whole career, it's been no it's been noted that I don't have the best striking defense because I don't really care. I just go in there and start punching on. <laughs> but I, and at the at this level, you can't do that, you know. Especially at the heavier weight classes, you know, I'm fighting guys that weigh a hundred hundred kilos. One shot can put you out. Um, another thing is, I can't afford to go into fights not a hundred percent anymore. You know, I've, I've done a lot of fights injured, done a lot of fights overtrained, and this one this one caught up with me. Um, I'm not going to disclose what injuries I had and stuff, but I, I wasn't a hundred percent. And don't think I'm taking away from Jamal Hill here. Jamal Hill had a great performance. Like he, he knocked me out. That, that, that's the end of the discussion. Whether I was 100% or not, that's the end of the discussion. But I'm saying this going forward, these are the things that I need to, to change to, to make sure this doesn't happen again. Yeah. It's, um, it's just like, it's so hard for me to resonate with this stuff. Like you're, you're obviously a really good mate of mine and, and, and I know what you go through really well. And, you know, I've been, um, out in the back of, of fights that you've been fighting on and that sort of stuff. And I still just can't, like, I can't, I'm just sitting here this whole conversation sort of just like, like, you know, in a bit of awe of you almost. Like, I, I don't understand how you do it, you know, like how, how you put yourself out there like that. And, and I love your attitude of, of like, you're all, you as, as far as all the MMA guys I know, you're the guy who bounces back from a loss the best and, and deals with it the best. It's because I love what I do though. Like, even, even when, like, Say in my in my fight against Anthony Smith didn't go my way, but fucking hell, I had so much fun in that fight. Yeah, like it was so fun. Hey, hey, speaking of that fight, I, can you take this? Is a really interesting story for people to hear. So that was a that was a bizarre fight, wasn't it? So you fought a guy called Anthony Smith, who is a re, like he's a he's a star in the UFC. He's a really big name. He's fought for a, a title against the the greatest athlete, like MMA athlete to ever do it, in John Jones and. And you fought him. And that was really a fight for you in the UFC. In my mind, they gave you that fight thinking, well, if you beat Anthony Smith, Jimmy Coots, you know, you're going to fight for a title very soon. Like that was a fight that, that was going to set you up to to even maybe fight for a title within one or two fights. And yeah. and, and that was their intention in, in making that fight. They saw you as, as one of the bit, like the next big names in, in the entire sport, which is crazy to think, but that's definitely why it was. And then can you sort of... Um, take us into that fight, assuming that we know nothing about what happened and, and just tell the story of that fight? Yeah, man. So, obviously, um, the other walkout, blah, blah, blah. Everything was going well. Um, and, and, and then the fight started. Um, Anthony was getting ahead of me on the jabs. Um, he was outlanding me. I was landing some really good shots too. Like, by no means was I out of the fight. Um, it was just sort of starting to warm up. I started... By the, by the end of the first round, like, I started landing... Um, more than I was at the start, and Anthony, I wouldn't say it was slowing down. No, he wasn't slowing down. I won't say that at all. But like it was, it was starting to warm up. It, the fight was starting to warm up, and then um, I kicked me in my perineal nerve, which um, which is just uh, on top of your calf, and pretty much if you get hit in that, hit right, it, it just shuts your whole leg down and it stops you being able to flex your foot up. So um, you get a thing called drop foot, which means that you can't straight, um, you can't bring your toes up so your foot folds in under itself when you try and walk. So as I was going down, I was like, ah, fuck, better start grappling now. So I, I, got, I managed to just score three takedowns and, and um, control the last minute of the fight, um, which was like everyone, I, I feel like my stock sort of rose for that, you know, I, got, um, I couldn't walk, but I could still fight. Uh, I could still, still try and fight. And then the um the I walked back to my corner. I was struggling to walk back to my corner. I sat down, and then um I was getting ready to come out for round two, and I got up. And then the the doctor came over and said, "Can you walk forwards for me?" I walked forwards, no problem. And he goes, "Now walk backwards." And I walked backwards. And as I walked backwards, I was trying to, you know, I was telling the doctor that I was fine. And then I sort of like um my foot gave way a little bit, and I sort of stumbled a bit. And then they called the fight. Um, so that was that was really frustrating at the time. I was just like, "Come on, man! Like, just let me fight. If I'm gonna get, if I didn't prove to you at the end of that round that I was still in it, fair enough. But 
just let me fight. That's what I was sort of thinking at the time. It was a really crazy spectacle as well, wasn't it? Like it's like this, you know, if if anyone doesn't know what Jimmy looks like, like I've already said, go and go and search him because he's a he's a physical specimen. Um, and you're this you're this you know professional fighter who is as like you just you're you're the definition of of, of fitness and and strength and and you're in this cage and it, it's just so funny that like you couldn't even put weight on your foot. You just like, as soon as you put weight on your foot, you just like fall over. It was like you forgot how to stand up. Yeah, bro. It's just that that ankle just does not support itself when it happens. It's crazy, isn't it? That was one of the craziest things I've ever seen. This yeah. is another thing people should go and watch. Jimmy Jimmy Croot versus Anthony Smith. It's just, it's just wild to see. You literally can't stand up and you sort of look like a bit of like a baby giraffe. And, and it's <laughs> yeah. just like a normal person can't relate to what that would be like and, and going just- through that. But you know what? I was still, I, I still wanted to fucking fight, man. I just, don't you dare stop it. That's what I said to the doctor. Don't you dare stop it. I can still fight. Yeah, I couldn't believe that. And I, and I knew when I was watching, it, I was just like, oh, Jimmy's gonna hate this. Like when the fight got stopped, because you would have, you would have got through that, and you, you were gonna win that fight. That was pretty evident to, to uh, me. I think. Yeah, I think so. I think I, I, I can see it. Like, look, man, I'm not. I, I don't ever want to say anything negative about Anthony Smith. I fucking love that guy. He's, he's um. He's like a big brother, man. Like he's so and and he's so good, man. Like I could say, yeah, I'll just go out there and take him down in that second round. That would have been the plan, but you know, Anthony Smith's no fool. He um he he would have had something. He would have had something planned too. So I I do feel like yeah, I could have could have definitely could have definitely done well and and, and got the victory in that fight if if that had kept going. But you know, I don't I don't want to I don't want to sit in here and say that because. You never fucking know what's going to happen. Anthony Smith could have been planning that all along. <laughs> I don't think he was, but, <laughs> but it's a good attitude to have. Oh, man, I, just, I just got so much respect for Anthony. I don't, I don't want to, um, I don't want to dull his win. You know. Yeah, it's one of the it's one of the like awesome things about MMA is people historically have looked at fighting as like a a bit of a thuggy sport, and like uh, that's just not the case at all. Like you and 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 you know like sort of jack our other mate we talked about and, and all these guys anthony smith and just everyone who who is at the top of the game in, in mma is a really smart person and and you have to be because it's such a complex sport it's not yeah like you you talk about going in there and just fighting and and that's that's not who like you 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 can be that guy but but you're a really smart guy who works every day in 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 developing his skill set and thinks about the game at a really like in a really complex, complex way. And, and so do all the guys and you're all really smart, nice people. And, and that's the weird thing. People, people look at fighters and think about maybe what they were once um, sort of viewed like, but it's just not the case at all anymore, is it? It's um, like there are a few meatheads and stuff, but yeah, you, you normally find the guys that are really successful. Um, the only way to get good at mixed martial arts is to learn, to be good at learning. You know, so you you've got to have a pretty open mind, and it's very hard to have an ego on a sport that you get bashed on a weekly basis, pretty much at training. You know, you, you're always going to have an off off day, and one of your a guy that you could have it over all, all the time at training could could get it over you. So you're always get you're always getting your ego checked in, in this sport. Yeah, and, and and what does the future look like for you, Jimmy? Do you think where's your where's your goals and and what's your plans and and you know what can we expect expect over the next year or Six months or two years. What? What? What's? What's? What's the future? So we got something coming. I, 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 I said I wasn't going to fight till mid year. Um, but you know, I had this is the first time in my whole career that I've had time off. Uh, I, 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 except for this week, obviously. I think I trained five times since my last fight a month and a half ago, which is crazy for me. I, um, I got offered something yesterday actually, and I, um, I just. So can you do it at this date instead because I'm still a little bit injured and I need to fix up these injuries? And they came back and said yes. So I'll be jumping in there um, sooner sooner than I thought. Um, I can't really say anything now. I'll tell you off air, Jack, but I won't. I can't say it on on air. Um, but <laughs> thanks, mate. Yeah, I'll, I'll I'll do that one, and then hopefully I can get two or three in this year. Um, you know, at the start of the year, I was pretty hesitant. I thought I thought it was going to be a slower year to to rebuild. But you know, the way I feel this week, the way I feel after time off, and and the way my technique has come along in this short period of time, just because I'm thinking about it, I don't see any reason why I can't plug these holes in my game. Pretty much in the next prep and and, and absolutely rip in at the end of the year. So 
hopefully we can get two or three fights in um, and then and then set myself up and put myself back to where I was. Yeah. You, like if, from where I see it, I'm someone who follows MMA really closely and, and that's sort of why I wanted to – so you're the first MMA athlete I've had on this podcast and I plan on having a few more going forward. Um, and you're the guy who I got on first just because I really wanted people to um, – to sort of get to know you because you're you're a guy who I look up to and you know you're you're a really good friend of mine but um I also just I, I sort of idolize you a little bit and and I see that 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 going forward you know the the world is your oyster in in MMA and and in general really and, and I think that um there's still some really big things ahead in your future and you know I um I strongly believe that that you will be a, a UFC champion and and you know one of the best in the in the game you already are pretty close to being one of the best in the game but but really talked about in like who is the best MMA fighter in the world right now? Like yeah. Jimmy Crute's name will definitely be up there very, very soon, I think. So oh, I appreciate that, brother. And you know, hopefully everything goes goes to plan. Uh, I'll, I'll do I'll do my part and do all the work necessary for that to happen. So we'll um, we'll see we'll see how it goes. Yeah, and like I've said sort of three times already, but if you haven't already uh definitely uh after you listen to this go and jump on youtube and and check out some of the stuff jimmy's done and and you'll be just as impressed and 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 sort of hold the admiration for jimmy that i do because what these guys do is crazy and, and jimmy jimmy does it as well as anyone so yeah I, I reckon we wrap it up there mate but it's um it's been bloody awesome to chat to you we haven't we need to catch up we need to go get a coffee it's it's been too long yeah man we need to i'll come down to ballarat and see you yeah let's get that happen and we'll uh We'll jump back on the bikes or something, and we can we oh, can nah, we nah, can nah. reminisce. Oh, as long as I can ride my motorbike, you can pedal <laughs> that shit. I'll fucking jump on my motorcycle. <laughs> nah, no way. You're getting back on the pushy, and we're going up Mount Bunningong. All right, I'll, I'll see you at the top. <laughs> <laughs> All right, awesome. Thanks, Eves, for jumping on, mate. Um, uh, sweet, bro. Yeah, real, real honour to talk to you, and uh, and I loved it. Um, yeah, let's let's do that coffee. Yeah, good chat, mate, and for sure we will. 